So welcome back, uh, Dalton. I, uh, we're going to be talking about the hero's journey and the second part of the hero's journey. And we, um, we had, last time we were together, we talked about the, um, the, the first phase of, uh, of Joseph Campbell's work with the hero's journey, where there's a separation um, from the ordinary and whatever that ordinary or normal is. And the second phase... Um, has a lot of different uh, names to it. It could be the dark night of the soul, um, going into the wood or into the crucible or the belly of the whale. So there's been a lot of different phrases that um, have have talked about and described this um, phase, but it really is this idea of initiation. And and so when you think of and being a coach and having your own journey and, and your own research that you've done, when you think of initiation like what comes to mind that idea or the concept of initiation yeah well when you think about how difficult actually answering the call is mm-hmm. <clears throat> right like you know looking back answering the call is really truly making the the, the decision mm-hmm. to go on the journey right. whether that's to achieve a high level of success in sports whether it's get a college degree, you know, move across the country, whatever the decision is that you're, you're, you're making, um, is the first, the commitment, yeah. right? And secretly, you know, that it's not going to be easy, that mm-hmm. you know, that there's going to be things along the way. So mm-hmm. when I think of the initiation aspect, I just think of, you know, the slow drip of, of discomfort that will come mm-hmm. that you have to, find um you you have to start to deal with the process of 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 embracing those challenges Mm -hmm. um as a coach i think of you know when you say you want to do something it's like that first day you wake up at five in the morning Mm -hmm. and nobody else is awake and you go maybe i don't want this yeah right or you wake up and you say i want this right then you know that then you really answered the call and that's where i guess i would say is like if you wake up in the morning and you question it maybe you still haven't answered the call Mm -hmm. but in the way that it's described is this is where the doubt creeps in and this is where the the uncertainty creeps in and stuff like that and then you know going into more of sports sports examples is like you know your loss Mm -hmm. you know how how you deal with the loss like Mm -hmm. i've been training i've been doing these things i'm trying to get to this goal and now i lost right it's not possible right right? it's it uh you know those types of things you know it it, so that reminds me when you're talking about that that weight you know that that morning of that first practice or, or whatever it may be. And one of the thoughts that came to me was um, not, do I want this or not, but can I do this or, or um, how bad is it going to be? You know, that, that, t- well, maybe not how bad it's going to be the first time. Um, it's, it's when you return for a second season or return again, you know what you're getting yourself into. But that question, at least for me, I think one of the ones came to me, it wasn't necessarily did I want this as, as much was can I do this? Yeah. Um, am I going to have what it takes um, to, to do this? Um, which also then leads me to another piece. In, because I think that the element of the call is 
this cogn- cognitive part, right? It's in, it's in our thinking. We haven't really taken any action yet. It's all in our thinking. And um, But also, as we get closer to accepting that call or moving across that threshold, there are going to be individuals who are what they refer to as the gatekeeper. And that may be... Um, that may be that parent that's concerned about you getting hurt or are you sure you want to do that or, you know, they may have their own stuff and and they want you to stay in ordinary. Yeah. Um, maybe it's because of their own fears. Maybe it's because they never um, were initiated themselves. Maybe it was because they've gone through the process and they've seen um, the pain of it and, and or whatever. But um, Or it may be someone who is just you know, um, that sabotager. And, and so either way, whatever, there's almost always going to be some gatekeeper that is going to um, plant a seed of doubt. And you're already, at least for me, there was always that, that element of, am I sure? I don't know. And, and I think that's a normal or a natural part of it. Um, because if I knew, well, then I probably wasn't, I wasn't on the right path anyways. It, yeah. it, there was no there was no fear that was coming up. There was no angst. I already knew what the outcome was going to be. Yeah. So can you think, you know, when you think of gatekeepers, right? And this is before we even get into the initiation part, but when you think of gatekeepers, what as a as a coach now and and having been involved with the sports or even in other aspects of life, um, talk a little bit about that person who may served as yeah. a gatekeeper. Well, it's tough because you know, it, in there it doesn't seem like there's people that are saying that are standing at the in the door saying you can't enter right mm-hmm. but um there are so many uh potential um distractions or 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 um temptations to pull you away from what your call was mm-hmm. uh whether that's friends that don't share the same call right like right. you you can't go in the journey you can't go on the journey with your friends. Right. Your friends are not allowed to go on the journey right. with you. But they're going to be constantly next to you mm-hmm. in the reality of, of our lives trying to tell you to come do things that are not a part of the journey. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think about friends a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, I lost a lot of friends, mm-hmm. but I gained great friends, mm-hmm. friends that respected uh, the process that I was putting myself into. Mm-hmm. Um, some would... Some people would call and say, you know, things, and it was a moment. Those are the moments where I said, "Oh, these are not people that I want." You know, right. I was pretty connected to my call, mm-hmm. so it was like really easy to to point out and say, "Oh, you don't want me to do this, therefore I'm not really cool with you anymore." Mm-hmm. And uh, there, you know, you, you talk about relationships, girlfriends or boyfriends, mm-hmm. if, you know, and. Um, you know, I didn't do well with this because now you're talking about another level of like how intoxicating love is, mm-hmm. you know, uh, um, how intoxicating, you know, that that lust, uh, that youthfulness of l- lust and or, you know, it's it's more distracting than social uh, connection with mm-hmm. your friends and peers and stuff right. like that. Um I also think you you hit something like parents. I've heard parents. I heard a parent once come up to me, and for whatever reason, you know, this parent is still involved in 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 my reality as a coach. But he once told me that uh, you know 
as I was telling him, you know, if if he wants to be good at wrestling, there, he has to do a lot of stuff to be good at wrestling. Mm-hmm. And the parent said, "Yeah, well, there's you know, you know, there's more important things in life. Life's life's not about just spending all your time training, you know." Mm-hmm. And I was like, "How how how unfortunate that he's not realizing that no 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 no, you only get four years in high school sports to try to be the best high school athlete." Mm-hmm. So you got the rest of your life to do whatever you think he's supposed to be doing now, right. and you're just encouraging him not to be initiated. He, you're not. Right. You're pulling him away from the call. You're pulling him away from the initiation process. Right. And so those are types of distractions that I think are gatekeepers because, you know, that might not be a door that says you can't enter, right. but like you're you're talking about emotional um, control, and I think you know as a young person when you get called the most, right? When you're young, the most difficult thing for you to um, to do is to make the call, and yet you are not developed enough to be aware of all of these things that are potentially getting in your way. Mm-hmm. You know, for me, the fact that I've done this and now I've gotten older and I've mm-hmm. seen where I failed and where I didn't answer the call when I should have, mm-hmm. where I didn't have the right people around me, now I'm so aware of those obstructions that I feel unstoppable now because anything that comes up I, I see I see it mm-hmm. before it starts mm-hmm. where when you're young or say this is your first journey or, or accepting yeah. uh, uh, first journey of acceptance like you have no idea what the demons look like right but right. now as you get older you can spot them out yeah yeah and I think you know I think there are I think it's important you know that you know, as we've talked before about the idea that when you have that nudging, that curiosity, that wanting to step out and do something different than what you've done or or have, um, I think you talked about one time, of having really big goals, not not realistic goals, but like really big goals. And that, that idea, that's all part of stepping into a new territory because to either be, you know, a state champion or national champion, um, you, you have, there's certain things you're going to have to do. It's not going to come easy. Um, and, and I think that's all part of first accepting it and then now going into this idea of initiation. And I think as, as we start talking about this idea of initiation um, or this dark night of the soul or this crucible where you have an opportunity now to face certain fears and whatever those fears are. Um, maybe I don't know if I can uh, handle the practices. Maybe I don't know if I'm smart enough to do this in school or will they accept my idea or, or, or whatever it is. But what am I going to do to find out if I do have what it takes? And, 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 and then, you know, like in sports, hopefully you have that coach who can serve as a mentor and those assistant coaches that can serve as mentors to show you how to get through it what are those little things that you can do um to you know to make it not necessarily easier but you um how do you get through that piece and then how once you get through that then you start developing your own strategies on whatever it is maybe in wrestling or in bodybuilding it was about how losing losing body fat or losing weight to make a weight or training when you don't feel like training um or you're you're distracted by other things how do you get focused 
and just show up even if you don't feel like it. Um, and I think those are all important things that, yeah, we may be talking about sports, but those are the same things that are going to be important when when you're working um, in your career. Um, if you're a parent and you get woke up at 2 o'clock in the morning and, you're, and your kid is throwing up, um, you show up. That's yeah. what you do because there's something bigger than you that needs you to step up and have that character, you know? Yeah. Now you bring up uh, <clears throat> a lot of good points and this is why I think whether it's bodybuilding or powerlifting or sports or, or, you know, for some people academics, I guess, mm-hmm. um, it's so important to understand how important these things are because it's the first time you're dealing with those fears or the lack of confidence. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've never been, I haven't been confident my entire life. You know, this has been built. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, the first time I made an ambitious goal, yeah, I doubted it. And, you know, when I felt that fear or the doubt, I used it as a mini battle, like a mini fight. So if I felt like I wasn't going to win, I went out and trained mm-hmm. so that I could fight that feeling that I wasn't going to win. Right. Um, so for whatever reason, when those battles presented themselves for me, that's that's what I would do. I would look at them as opportunities to wake up and just go for a run. Mm-hmm. I didn't feel like it. I didn't like I was like, I'm just going to go. Mm-hmm. Right. Because I, you know, I figured that if you could do that, um, then then you could you could get stronger. Right. And in college, in college, I learned a lot about this idea of like getting your mind right, mm-hmm. um, because when the training's even elevated, like you you throw everything away. You're like, I don't care about goals, I don't care about anything. All I want to do is stop doing all this training, right? Because right. it's so hard and everybody's so demanding. And I remember. I remember this is like a traumatic experience, but it was very helpful for me because I love training. Like mm-hmm. training was fun, and I just uh, uh, I always enjoyed like pushing yourself. I always thought that like if you can break your body, like if you can make your body quit, but your mind is still ready to go, like then you did your job. Mm-hmm. And uh, I remember a practice we were wrest- We had like a two hour wrestling practice, hard college division one wrestling practice. And then we did sprints, right? And coaches are like, you know, all right, get your shoes on and go over to the armory. And at the University of Illinois, the armory is the track, the indoor Mm -hmm. track. And so we just finished up this high-level, hard wrestling practice with conditioning there. And then we went over to the armory to do 20 200-meter sprints. And these aren't just 200-meter sprints at your own pace, they're right timed. they're timed and if you don't go fast enough there's 30 40 of them you know like so and and it's not just then there's the social component right like if you cause 10 more nobody's <laughs> really big fans of you yeah, yeah right so there's a lot of stress there's a lot of fear there's a lot of doubt and then you know the coaches are just saying hey get your mind right get back to the line and focus on the next one Mm-hmm. Don't think about how many you have. Just focus on the next one. Right. So uh, that type of stuff has always helped me. Like whenever these things present, just battle that thing mm-hmm. and stay focused on battling mm-hmm. that thing. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And then once you get a little bit further, then you get a little bit further. Mm-hmm. So here, here's something I'm going to throw out. It's a little bit off from what yeah, we yeah. were talking about with the sports, but this just came up just recently. Um, uh, my, um, I was over here and my wife uh, talking to one of her friends. And, um, you know, it's Christmas time and it's got all this stuff going, getting ready for Christmas. And so we're a week out of Christmas. And because um, my wife's the planner and she's the, you know, she's the artist and does everything and stuff like that. And, um, she made a comment. She goes um, to her friend. She goes, um, "It's well, it's three years ago today, my dad died, and um, her dad, my father-in-law, died suddenly. It was one of those. Diane was having a conversation with her an hour earlier, uh, with a conversation with him an hour earlier on the phone, and and then we get a phone call an hour later that he collapsed and he probably died before he hit the carpet, right? And um, and had no signs, no indication of what was going on, and." Um, and she and she remembers that she was reflecting on that, and she said to her friend, um, "I don't know how I did it back then, how I got everything together, but if I can do get Christmas and do Christmas then in the midst of my dad dying, doing his funeral, then this will be easy." Yeah. And 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 I and it's what we said earlier about once you start seeing the hero's journey. In this case, we're talking about the initiation. You see it everywhere. I didn't say anything at the moment. I was just reflecting on what Diane had said to her friend Bridget. But that, knowing she went through that experience, knowing that she faced that challenge of her father dying in the midst of her grief and still wanting to do Christmas and having family and still wanting some family rituals to be able to, um, to, to be there, that three years later, even though she whatever she's feeling, she's behind and the house looks beautiful to me. It doesn't really matter. But... Um, that she knows in the back of her mind she'll be able to pull it off because she's pulled it off under harder circumstances, under more difficult circumstances, and for her, the most difficult circumstance. And and when you said that story about what those coaches were showing you to do through that initiative of this intense workout and then all these sprints, that when you don't feel like you got anything left, and you're wrestling against a guy, and you still have 20 more seconds, and you can pull off a win. Um, you just focus on those 20 seconds, you know. And so, I think that is the beauty of initiation. And when we don't have initiation, right, then we don't know. We we and then we we may we may um, bend to going softer. We may bend into you know because no one really knows that we have still something left in the tank. We do, though. We know. I mean, I, I remember, you know, playing football for Harlem back in the 80s was not necessarily an um, enjoyable experience if everything was based on if you won or not um, and because we lost more than we won. Um, but what was worse for me than losing, um, what was worse than that was that I knew that I didn't give 100%. That would keep me up all night because then for some reason I – I believe that the whole loss was based upon me, and um, even though that's not rational, so my con- my conclusion under those circumstances was, no matter what, you just give one hundred percent. You you make sure that you don't have you haven't left anything on the field. Um, it doesn't matter what the scoreboard says. I'm I'm playing to not have that feeling of regret. Yeah, and um, and I think that's that I know that led led later when I was competing in bodybuilding. Um, I tell a strawberry story um, 
about waking up in the in the middle of the night. I was getting ready for the Mr. USA, and it was the middle of July, and I was starving, and um, wasn't actually starving, but just felt like I was starving, <laughs> and. Um, and I and I woke up, and because you know you drink a bunch of water, so you don't feel the hunger pains when you go to bed, which of course is stupid because then you, two hours later, you got to wake up to go to the bathroom. <laughs> so, so I go to the go to the kitchen, and um, and it's like super pitch black, right? I mean, it's just nothing. And I navigate through, and I go in the refrigerator, and I don't know why, because what was I going to do? I couldn't eat anything, but. I open up the refrigerator and this whole the whole kitchen's illuminated, right? And on the top rack is this cauldron of strawberries that that my mom had because uh, I was 18 at this time and I was living with my parents and and she had put these they were just there ready to you know for the next day or whatever we we're going to eat them and um, and I know because of dieting that strawberries barely have any calories at all. And I started in my mind figuring out how I could take a strawberry off there and then move the other strawberries around so that no one would see, <laughs> like anyone cared. <laughs> but um, And I started navigating like I was going to do that. And then it dawned on me, if I take one strawberry, which is about four calories if even, that'll be the reason why I, win, the reason why I lose the USA. That would be the reason why I play slow. And so I was like... Shut the shut the refrigerator door, because I wasn't a strawberry wasn't worth that feeling later of regret or knowing that I only gave ninety nine percent, not a hundred percent. And I think those things are all part of what happens in the initiation phase. Um, the they coaches, present themselves. Yeah, yeah. The coaches, the coaches put you in a situation so that you can train and that you can push yourself beyond what you think you can do or beyond what what you think you're capable of doing. And then you are now telling yourself a new narrative Yeah, that's then going to be beneficial for other situations. Yeah. So how do you think, because um, this is something as a coach I'm trying to figure out because when we talk about the hero's journey and we talk about starting with the call, mm-hmm. right? The call for me is like, well, kids went out for the sport yep okay well that's a call they answered the call yep they crossed the threshold because they came on the map they came yeah and and so now how do you create like is it only due to goals that you think about that end result so much because i mean how many people in that situation go Oh yeah, this is a good strawberry. Or they think, oh no, this will be the reason why I lost. Mm-hmm. Um, now I'm now it's my enemy. Mm-hmm. Now I don't like strawberries because mm-hmm. they're trying to, uh, you know, ruin my my victory. Well, it's not the strawberry. It's me thinking of I can get away with it. Of course. And and so that's the other thing. It's it's the enemy isn't. But out you didn't there. think that because you stopped doing it. Well, the enemy was me thinking I could get away with something. That that's the enemy. That's the that's the dragon. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. not the strawberry. Of course, of course. Yeah, it's you know, and and I think that's where when we're inviting, you know, so you you have this wrestling. If, if they set goals, that that's cool, right? But kids, maybe no different than when we were, that for some kids, goals have been then used and manipulated. Adults have then used goals against the kids when they've set goals. So then kids were like. Yeah. yeah, I hope I'm 500. <laughs> you know, you know, because, or they say stuff that they don't believe in. Yeah, yeah, because 
they it's been used against them, right? I think I think it is important to set goals, you know, from that end, just to go through the the journey of doing that, the practice of doing that. But I also think it's just you setting up certain initiatives in in the practice room, right? You told me about the pull up initiative, right? Setting up certain things like that, setting up certain um, normal skills, but then also the whole time you're knowing this is you're. You're not only developing them physically, but you're also developing them mentally, emotionally, and spiritually by developing their character, who they are when no one's watching. That was the refrigerator deal, right? It's yeah. a strawberry story. Who was I going to be when no one, wa- no one, no one's watching me? You know, there was no video cameras back then, right? So, mm-hmm. um, and and so that part of it. Um, how do you, you know, how do you show or bring them through that they can push farther? This time, kind of like what your coaches did at U of I, is that, you know, how did you help them? How did those assistants help you? Um, now, just don't focus that you got 12 more to go. Focus just on this one. Well, that's, that's those mentors and helpers showing you how to get through it so that you don't have to give up. Yeah. You know, and I think those are all those key components that happen. Um, you know, it's kind of like my my kids are finishing up this semester in in college, right? And and for my daughter, this is the first semester she was away at, at um, away at school, and so there was, you know, before she left, you, well, Dad, you know, I'm gonna probably be calling you, you know, because I'm the one who helps her out with her homework, you know, and things like that. Well, the semesters, she has one more paper to do, and it's all she's done, right? And there was a couple times that she called, but not as many as I thought there would be. There was a couple things that she wanted to go over when she brought him back home and wanted me to check over, but not anywhere near what I thought it would be. Um, and what I what I and she had some struggles. So, you know, one class, the very first test she got back, she failed it, and um, and she thought she studied really you know really well with it. And then my son gave her, you know, she's a sophomore in college. He's graduating um, from college, and he would point out a couple things that he did. I think that's all part of what happens in that initiation phase. No one could do it for her, but we could give some suggestions. And she had to make it her own, you know. And I think I think those are all part of setting up that container, creating that space for them to face whatever fears they have. Maybe it could be asking them what their fears are. It's hard, though, you know, at, at, at that age um, for them to be able to articulate it. Um, yeah. I don't know if you've heard this story before. This was a story that I was told when I first started doing men's work back in the 90s. It was about, um, um, I think it's a true story, um, it, it about um, when the anthropologists went over and studied the aboriginals in Australia, and they they watched them that they had this certain... Um, uh, ritual that they would do um, from boyhood to manhood. And so at a certain age uh, of the boys, um, because up until this point, the boys were primarily raised by their mothers. um, And um, their moms would be with them, you know, the majority of the time, 90% of the time. And um, the fathers would come in and do whatever. But at a certain age, um, let's say 12, 13, 14 years old, whatever it was, um, they would then come in the middle of the night, these masked men would come and take them from their mothers where they were sleeping and where the mothers were and they would take them 
and they would like almost like a like a kidnapping of them, right? And they would and they would take them away, and then the women, of course, would then all grab you know weapons and, and stuff like that and go after the men. And, and 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 try to get their boys back. And then the men would push them back, and they would go back and forth. And, of course, the men would win, and the women would, would you know, then get pushed back. And then the men took the boys off to another place, away from the women, another place. And then the women, of course, would then sit and have coffee and tea and ask, talk about how well they did in the in their act. Because it was important for the boys to know that the women were the gatekeepers but they were in on it. They knew that they had to be taken away. They had to be taken from their boyhood to go into this phase. And then when they were there, right, there were different things that would happen, right? Um, for example, that, um, you know, the boys would be lined up and then the men, the older men, would then, um, you know, have them go through a series of different different aspects. But primarily the whole point of it was of them being around in ordinary circumstances and extraordinary circumstances, being around adult males who were men, so that they could show and demonstrate and model the male mode of feeling. At some certain point, when they became of age, um, what happened was that there was this element where there would be, maybe it would be a tooth would get knocked out, or a tattoo would happen, or some kind of scarification, or whatever would happen. But it happened as you were now part of, you were now this symbol was now that you were a man. And and now that when they went back home, right, when they went back to the village, they no longer were a boy, but they now were something more. I think outside of certain elements and certain arenas, we're lacking that today. We're lacking that, well, we're definitely lacking the formalized ritual piece. Um, um, and I think I think there's opportunities that come um, through maybe sport or art um, that that can help an initiation um, process. But sometimes it's going to be it is going to be certain things in training, but it's also going to be when riding on the bus to the to the meet and something happens, and how does the coaches handle it? You know, um, when they have something happens, you know, that you can't even plan. And they get to see how, uh, just as your assistant see you lead them, they get to watch and go how, so, so okay, so Coach Coach Dalton does that. Okay, so then I can do that. That's, that's how you handle that. Yeah. Does, yeah, I love the story. I think, uh, you know, the stuff that I've talked to you about coaching in the suburbs. Yeah. It was so much like that. Mm-hmm. It's why I'm trying to build some type of uh, gym or facility mm-hmm. so that there can be periods of time that you can dedicate to going away, mm-hmm. you know? Um, it's hard. It's so hard to expect um, dramatic results if every single night after practice or or after the day's over with there's like a reset back into the the patterns and 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 behaviors that are um continuing the lack of development mm-hmm. i think 
I think the greatest gift that my parents gave me was the fact that they they gave me away to my coaches. Mm-hmm. They said, "All right, take them." Yeah. They, you know, they took me across the country to national tournaments for weeks at a time. Mm-hmm. They weren't they were like big older brothers, you yeah. know. If if I expressed what, you know, they they it probably would be frowned upon by most of society, right? But they did it all out of love and mm-hmm. they were always trying to make me stronger both physically and mentally and uh, open my eyes up to things. So how do we get that type of a ritual to be um, embraced, encouraged, you know? Like, I guess creating it is yeah. hard is, is the one aspect, but, yeah. like... Um, well, I think it. I think there's a couple of different a couple different ways of doing it, right? I, I think, yeah, you can you can set it up, and we do this in drug and alcohol treatment, right? We do this in in mental health or behavioral health treatment, where a person goes away for a certain amount of time, or we I've been involved and participated in weekend retreats, and there's and there's those things that you can do that um, are a little bit more uh, structured and and um, a little bit more designed that way you know where you're literally that separation happens and i think sometimes that's important to do especially if someone is really entrenched in and can't make that transition but when you were just talking i was thinking um for me i had a similar experience but mine was with bodybuilding and um and i remember my going to the gym right at that time it was champions gym you know in rockford and it was you know when I was early 80s and um, 82, 83, whenever it was when I joined, and or it was 82 actually when I joined. And I remember going there with my dad, going there by myself, getting dropped off. I was only 14 years old and you're supposed to be either 16 or 18 or whatever it was. And, um, and I remember doing these workouts that I read in this bodybuilding magazine, you know, um, whatever, muscular development or whatever it was called back then. And, um, and and so I would I was doing thirty sets for chest. I was spending three hours a day, you know, working out. And a guy came up to me and he says, "I see that you're really working hard. I see that uh, you spend a lot of time in here. Um, what do you what? Tell me what you're doing for your workouts." And he said, um, "I got a suggestion for you. If you really want to get big, do this." And it was this routine he, he designed for me. I went my freshman year. I wrestled at one thirty eight. So I was about 140 at this time. A year later, I weighed 206. Um, No steroids, just working out. Uh, I listened to what they said. And if they said to set your alarm for 2 o'clock in the morning to drink a protein drink, that's what I did. You know, it didn't matter. I would do it, and I was regimented. And I remember my parents, you know, was getting in arguments because we're going to Florida, and they, um, you know, were on vacation in Disney World or whatever, and I wanted to work out. And um, and then I started competing because one of those guys thought I had a chance to start competing and I could do well in this. And I didn't even know what that was, but I was around it. I saw the, them other guys doing it, and I was just, um, I don't know, what, uh, I just so much admired what they were doing and how they looked and how I wanted to look like they did. And uh, in that first show, um, I had no idea what I was doing, so I just listened to what you know what they told me to do. Um, but I could do that. I could I could be disciplined. I could 
I could sacrifice. And so I went from 206 to 154 in eight weeks. And I competed in that first show. Um, and surprise to me that I wasn't the only 15-year-old there. And I got third in that show. Um, but what I learned from that and disappointed and all that, even though I placed um, – that and I, you know, continued. That was the beginning of me competing. But one of the things that happened was that was the beginning of that container, um, where I would go to the gym, listen to what these guys that had been there are there doing. Um, I knew they had something that I wanted, and I wanted wanted that. And I wasn't acting like a jackass, like a fifteen year old, because I didn't want them to not. So so I I would act older and or not act older, but listen pay attention not not be a goofball or whatever and um because i didn't want them to go oh he's 15 years they never treated me as a younger person they probably told me a lot of do as i say and then kept for me what they were actually doing you know um but there was a lot of them feeding into me um when i would compete for a show 10 weeks out 12 weeks out Stop hanging out with my friends, you know, uh, you know, the diet was on six weeks before the show. I would, you know, I wasn't, uh, any girlfriend I had at the time, I've probably breaking up with them, you know, and, um, I just made my world all about that. And, yeah. um, so I guess the reason why I bring that up is because I think there are ways to invite people into, if you want yeah. to be the best that you can be, well, here's a plan. Yeah. Here's a program. When you say that, it only makes me more um, motivated and focused on trying to build a gym, mm -hmm. because a gym has such a ability to to create, like you said, that container of like the process of going there, right? As long as the culture and the standards are are, are the right culture and standards, yeah, life giving, yeah, right. The process of going there, right? When you wake up and you go, oh, I'm gonna go to practice at three o'clock. Oh, that's gonna be tough, right? Mm -hmm. Or, or, and you, or even if if you're not like dreading it, maybe you're anticipating it. On the way there, you're like, man, this is gonna be a hard day, easy day. What what are we gonna do? I don't know. Mm -hmm. I'm just gonna go, right? And like the process of going to that place, as silly as it sounds, that process itself is part of that um, initiation into the experience, yeah. I guess. Yeah. So, yeah, when you say that stuff, it's just that's why I want to build a gym because there's no gym around here that that can offer that for for young people that want to uh, become a champion wrestler, mm -hmm. you know. <clears throat> and uh, yeah, I think that's yeah. Yeah, I I think I think I definitely think that is part of it and. And in right in some ways, you know, uh, that right now is part of your call, right? That's yeah. part of what's happening, and 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 you're in that you're in that phase regarding that initiative. That part of the initiative initiative is about that call, or or maybe you're already in the process. You just haven't. It is. It's less about a building, and it's more about you know a mindset right and mm -hmm. you're already in the initiation phase of how do i go about doing this and and so i think I, I think it is that and it's what how do you how do you find these different ways and 
and I and for me, I look back on that time period, and yes, uh, you know, there was a handful of us that won national titles, and 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 more that won state titles and regional titles. But when I think about what I walked away with, those pieces of plastic that literally just got flooded underneath my basement last week, um, that wasn't really the point. The point was the whole journey. The point yeah. was what I learned along the way because that's what's helped me in my career. That's what helped me when I've when I've transformed my career into another career. Um, that's what I still – that's what those building blocks were um, was what I learned then and, and what I continued. And there were certain things that I didn't learn then that I had to – go through the cycle again and go through the initiation process again. Um, I was just talking um, uh, just recently, just talking, well, last night I was talking with my um, talking with my wife and, and family um, about something that happened a few months ago. And, um, and it's this idea of being aware of where you're at. So I knew that I had this, this, this thing that I was um, hung up on financial insecurity. Right. And in other words, I was I wasn't going to have enough, which meant that I wouldn't be able to take care of my family, my wife and kids, which then meant that I wasn't good enough or I didn't have what I took. So it goes back to that 12 year old. Right. It goes back to that way back that thing. The, the and, and so I would identify that fear. And, and I don't remember ever having that until I was married and had children. And and it was when I had married when I was married and children that's when it re- resurrected and I think that came from some stuff in my own family of origin um, with my mom and dad's dynamic and I and I so I think I picked up that from 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 my mom from from some of her stuff that she picked up from her family so it's that um, when they talk about the sins of the father it, probably a better way of one to say it it would have been wounds of the father that never gets addressed and it passed on to the next generation. And um, so uh, there was this thing. I was having this conversation with, a few months ago with my, with my wife and family about a particular thing about money. And, and it came out of my mouth that, that all throughout my career, um, I've always believed that there wasn't going to be a scarcity of people that I could help from counseling, that I didn't have to worry about this counsel agency opening up or that treatment center that there's going to be enough people to help. And I just believed that. I just knew that it was like a knowing, but on the other hand, I'd have this insecurity about somehow I'd get into debt or I wouldn't be able to dig my way, my way out of it. And then for whatever reason that day by verbalizing it, by talking about it um, for the first time and not having all this weird emotion around it, but just, putting it out there and having this idea of I have this scarcity thought about there not being enough money, but I believe there's an abundance of people that I can help. And that's how I actually get paid. It collided. There's incongruency in that moment. It's well, which, what do you believe Kevin? Which, which is it? Is it, there's not going to be enough people you can help or is it there is. And if it is that, then this is a falsehood. This isn't real. This is just something you came up with and you continue resurrecting and continue keeping alive. And at that moment, there was like this energy or there was this release. And I was just, 
there was a peace about it. That doesn't mean there hasn't been times where it's resurrected itself, that there's this you know, fear, and then I have to go back. Which is it? What do I believe, abundance or scarcity? And each time I've had that challenge you know, to, to go back, I can frame it, and it goes back to that abundance. And I can navigate through. Because ultimately, I don't physically do anything different. It's just what I torture myself with, with worry. And, and I think that is another way of what happens on a, uh, on a small scale, what happens um, when you're facing that dragon, facing that fear. The dragon, in that case, was from the past. Yeah. I never, I thought I had faced it head on, but, I, but it, it, it never got, it just was contained. It never got conquered yeah and um so they'll keep presenting themselves until you deal with them yeah it'll keep presenting itself and then even after present itself doesn't necessarily mean that i won't have those thoughts again but now at least i have something to do with it and i think that's what you teach your athletes right yeah so so you lost yeah okay what are we going to learn from it what are you gonna do different Mm -hmm. sometimes you're just going to run up against someone who's just better yeah Okay, so that happens. Yeah. What are you going to do? Are you okay with how you wrestled? Not about the outcome, but how you wrestled? Yeah. That's what One of the things that uh, comes up with that type of idea is, like, you know, uh, you're taught, like, to understand that every single person gets tired, right? Like, no matter what level they are, they get tired, too. We all have the same physiology. Yeah. It's the ones that don't allow that to affect their their performance or their effort mentally right because maybe they have to change how they uh, compete but they're not letting it they're not letting it uh, affect them so it's like one you start to realize that these things are not like like these things are not things that you're trying to get rid of no they will continue to present themselves over and over again it's your job to develop i want to say some type of coping skills so that you can um embrace it as opposed to fear it and run from it right you go oh i'm being i'm gonna get tired right now i don't care or uh i'm getting uh stressed about finances oh okay yeah i feel it push it to the side right um and uh yeah so uh, i think I think the just the like we said the initiation the call the initiate the hero's journey is happening to every single person no matter what they think or feel right. it's happening yeah. and in the initiation phase right it's constantly presenting stuff for you to point out so that you can address so that you can move forward yeah. and uh, you know that's why life I think you know is much like sports you know it goes in these waves. But I think what beautiful thing about the hero's journey and why I'm so pumped about you sharing it is like it's literally what Joseph Campbell said it was is it's a way for people to make sense of their experience. Mm-hmm. Their experience is the hero's journey. It's a constant, um, you know, up and down uh, or in this case, a circle. It's constant circular pattern of your experiences, whether it's just sports or going into career or family or relationship or health, mm-hmm. right? Every single thing that you're doing is 
is calling you into action and then along that call is you know this initiation where it's presenting like doubt uh, fear insecurities you know etc and you have to you have to find a way to deal with those things and they'll come up again and they'll come up again but when you conquer them when you when you address them when you deal with them when you face them head on that's when the next phase uh, comes in and that's where all the magic happens yeah i agree and and, uh just as we get ready to wrap up with this it's just this whole journey of the journey podcast has been part of this initiation we talked about it had the ideas about it and then at some point all right we've bought enough equipment we've done it (laughs) we've talked about it enough times now we need to actually record and that's what you said to me before all right we're going to get better as this goes on we're going to learn more things about it and so you know so you know as, as I've heard this said by someone before, you know, who made a film about uh, Joseph Campbell's work, um, similar to the journey, you know, is about uh, the hero's journey itself. And we are in that phase of, well, we don't know what we're doing. We're just talking and just having a conversation about it and inviting people into the ordinariness of that and the normalcy of that. Um, but also finding that there's a lot more special and extraordinary within us if we can just touch it and let it be. So, Dalton, once again, thank you uh, for being here, and and we will continue um, this our journey together, but also continue talking about this because we need to talk about the third phase of returning home with the gold that comes from uh, from the initiation. Absolutely. Thanks. Right yeah, good one. <laughs>